Words and music. The Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. Here are your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah. Hey. We still, I still like to listen to it. You know, it's still new, still new music. So it's fresh. It's fun to listen to. It's fresh. It's different. It's different than it was for the first fifty-five episodes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, fifty-five episodes in. We're getting something new and fresh. It's fresh. It's fresh. Like McDonald's. Yeah, they're trying to keep it fresh, aren't they? Yeah. They're trying to keep it real. That's mm-hmm. like they got all these new ad slogans and campaigns and Yeah, I think uh I think they're doomed though. Really? They're like the biggest fast food restaurant in America anyway. Aren't they like the biggest in the world? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they're huge. I don't know. I've been I've been on like a conspiracy theory. Oh boy, here we like, go. Track though for the last you know, a couple of weeks, so yeah, yeah, but you know, I just think <laughs> I think it's going to be too hard for them to to do business in America here pretty soon. So why, may I ask, <laughs> do you think it'll be hard for McDonald's? Because I got to be honest, man, and tell you, everywhere I go, I see a McDonald's. That's true, but I think and they can't know, all fail, can they? I don't know. <laughs> but I think you know, I think with, like there's going to be more and more legislation against like oh. fast food. All it's the, like going to get more and more expensive. The and greasy, then, fatty, fast food yeah. stuff. And the people who keep McDonald's in business, at least in America, won't be able to afford <laughs> going to McDonald's anymore. You know, so plus, you know, like people can't afford the the value meals anymore anyway. So they just go for, go for the dollar menu. Yeah, man. You know, they lo- can't be making any money off that. I love their double cheeseburgers. So. No, it, it's true. You know, I um this, this last week, uh, my wife was at, a women's retreat with my church, uh, at Laurelwood. And, um, so I had the girls and I thought, Hey, you know, it'd be kind of fun. Let, let's do a little, you know, father daughter play date. We'll go to McDonald's. We'll play on their, their playground or their playland or whatever it's called. And, uh, yeah, I go there and it's like ridiculous. Um, you know, it's like, it's like five bucks or something for like a little happy meal. I know. And, uh, I'm thinking, well, geez, never mind. So, so then I was like, look, let's just get some chicken nuggets, you know? I mean, Callie likes chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. I was like, just give me a four-piece chicken nuggets. Oh, well, we don't sell the four pieces individual. Only the four <laughs> pieces come in the value, in the in the Happy Meal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how much is, like, you know, she's like, we sell six or 10 or 24, you know? <laughs> Which, first of all, what, what the heck are you going to do with 24 chicken McNuggets, man? That's a lot of McNuggets. It is. Anyway, so crazy. I, so I was like, it's whatever. Crazy. I'm like, just just give me just give me a six piece McNugget. Turns out, six piece McNuggets almost as much as the Happy Meal. It's like it was like four <laughs> bucks for is yeah, it was like three eighty or something for the six piece. 
And um, so then I'm like, all right, you know, forget it. Let's just get a water, you know, save a little <laughs> bit of money. The whole thing ended up being like 10 bucks just yeah. to... Um, all that to say, the the dollar menu, the the double the McDoubles or whatever, um, that that's that's a cheap way to go. Yeah, and I mean, we went there like for four of us. I think it was almost twenty bucks. Wow! Like you could go to a lot nicer place than McDonald's for twenty bucks. <laughs> for twenty bucks, I could be getting you know subways for my whole family. Yeah, I could be getting those five dollar footlongs for the whole crew. So that's that's just all adds into my you know theory of why McDonald's uh, is going to tank here in the near future. Yeah, you know, boy, at not, least not too distant. Not to disagree with you, David, but it's okay if I, you disagree with me. I don't think they're going to tank just because I can't see um, one of the biggest fast food giants in the world tanking. But I do hear what you're saying, and I think that maybe over time they they might have a harder time retaining their customers or at least getting new customers. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the thing. Or, you know, or like all the rest of the McDonald's in the world will support the McDonald's in America. Maybe. Like, because they'll still be profitable overseas. But Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Have you seen um, Super Size Me or mm-hmm. what's it called? The Morgan yeah. Spurlock documentary. Yeah. Um, that's that, disgusting. No, that, that's a great movie. I, <laughs> so, he, so here's the thing I, I'll uh, openly admit. I like McDonald's. I like their McDoubles. I like their Big Macs. I like I like fast food. In general. Yeah. yeah. So so I'll, I think it tastes good. I'll, I'll go ahead and admit just right off the bat that I am a McDonald's fan. Um, I'm I'm not like a fanatic, but um, Melanie, my wife, is like, "Hey, Kevin, you need to watch this movie, uh, because you know this will help change you or whatever." Because you know she wants me to eat healthy, and that's cool. Uh, so, <laughs> so I watched the movie, and I love the movie. I go yeah. out and buy it. And so I, I actually bought the movie, and Melanie's like, wait, no, you're missing the whole point. The The point is you're supposed to watch it and never want to eat McDonald's again. And I'm like, really? Because I, I love McDonald's just in, as much, but here it is. Ready? Here we go. Now I'm educated. So no longer am I going in there blindly eating McDonald's fast food. Now I'm going in there an educated man, and I feel so much better. I feel so much better about it. So now... I can eat those McDoubles guilt free. Boom. So you see, you know what it did for me? What it do? Like it made me want. It made me think about. Well, what what could I do a documentary about that could like <laughs> that could do the same thing? That could make me a lot of money like this guy. Like I'll eat McDonald's for every meal for a month if I make a million bucks off of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's what I was thinking about. Right. Well, I wasn't real worried about the health concerns because who is <laughs> ever going to go to McDonald's like? Every meal of every day. Yeah, that's it, it is. It's an extreme. It's an extreme measure. Um, I mean, obviously he's trying to make a point, but I don't know, man. Maybe you and I could do some kind of a documentary where we I could. Think we should. Here we go. We will go to every theme park in America and ride every roller coaster to determine the effects, like the physical and the psychological effects. See if we get any brain damage. Exactly, and we'll produce a documentary on it. Um, and of course all expenses will be paid because it's part of the, the film budget. Right. And by the end of the, by the end of the movie, we'll be able to say, yeah, this gave us brain damage. Um, but Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm all, I'm all for brain damage, but, (laughs) but maybe we could find something that's a little less, uh, (laughs) damaging. Oh, that would be fun though, to, to just say, all right, you know, for the next month I will ride. 20 roller coasters a day for 30 days 
and we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, why don't you try that and let me know? How okay. It goes. <laughs> I, I need I need a studio though to support me on this. Oh, okay. So yeah, if you want to help me pitch the idea. All right, I'll help you pitch it. <laughs> I don't want to be involved though. <laughs> anyway, so hey, here we are. Uh, well, um, I I have a little oh, a little scenario. Okay. I think it's it's going to become a new segment, but I don't know what to call it yet. Boom. It's like the, like it's like land of the hypothetical. Yeah. But it's not really hypothetical. Not yet. I so gotcha. um, but because this actually happened. Okay, so so like like you and I were talking before the before we started recording, I was on vacation. Yep. So we had somebody watch our house, right? Oh, you had a house sitter. Yeah, we had a house sitter. How'd that go? It was fine. She okay. did a, a wonderful job. She watered Great. the plants. Yeah, or... everything was taken care of. Good. The house was clean when we came back. One one little thing though. Our fish died like the day after she left. Whoa. So fishy. Yeah. So I'm like. Well, I can't really prove, you know, <laughs> the that what the cause was, but I'm pretty sure I know, at least you know in general what happened. Like, you know, she, maybe she fed it too much or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but here's my question. Okay, this is maybe it's maybe it's ethical, not hypothetical. I don't know. Okay. Here's an ethic bomb for you. Here yeah. We go. Do I still pay her, even though she killed our fish? Which I can't prove. Boom. So, yeah, I think you have to pay her. Why? Because. What about the emotional turmoil that she caused my daughter? Well, you could take her to small claims court. <laughs> and, you know, you pay you pay her for the work she did because she accomplished the tasks. Uh, she did what you basically, quote unquote, contracted her to do. And if the fish is collateral damage, there's really no proof. Yeah, but, but, but the fish is part of what she was contracted to do. Right, right, right. So I would say, yeah, I would say pay her and then take her to small claims court and try to get <laughs> try to get the money for the fish out of her. Um, okay, that's probably the best way to do it. Well, yeah, I'm just I was just wondering, just yeah. a question that came up. In my wouldn't mind. that be so? Wouldn't that be so mean spirited to be like, hey, you know, here's your twenty bucks. Thanks so much for watching our house. Oh, and here's a summons to attend uh, uh, small claims court out here in Washougal. Um Is it? it what county is it? Is this Clark? This isn't Clark. This is Clark County. Is it Clark mm-hmm. County? No kidding. I know Clark County goes all the way out here. It does. All right. So you hand her a, a subpoena for a, for Clark County Municipal Court, and uh, you're like, you know, uh, we'll see you in Small Claims Court next week. No hard feelings. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty low. That'd be brutal. I don't think yeah. she'd ever want to like watch your house again. I'm pretty sure. But you no, know, actually, you know, she did a great job. Except for the fish, yeah, which you can't fish, prove. Which I can't prove. But and you, isn't expensive to replace. No, I mean, how much does a fish cost, right? Yeah, but well, we're gonna get the even cheaper ones. Like <laughs> it was a goldfish to begin with, but it was like it wasn't like the twenty-two cent one. It was like the step above that, and that's only because they didn't have the twenty-two cent ones in the store at the time. <laughs> You're like, fine, I'll yeah. spend the fifty cents <laughs> to get this one. Jeez. But uh, so, so was Hannah like? Was she pretty traumatized? Yeah, she she had a pretty hard time with it. Oh, sad. Did, yeah, did you sad. did you like flush it down the toilet? Yeah, we did. Did you have a little memorial service for it? No. Okay. I didn't want to do the whole Cosby thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of The Office. That one episode in the uh, bird. season three, yeah, yeah, where the bird dies, and and there's that little um, there's that little uh, head interview with Ryan, and he's like, I remember when I was six <laughs> and my goldfish died. And my mom told me that we were going to uh, bury it, and going to it was going to a much better place. 
And I remember thinking how silly that was. And I was six. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just, I mean, she was, she, you know, she said a couple of times I missed the, the fish's name was daddy whale. Daddy whale. Huh? Yeah. So she would say, cause she named it. Oh, um, she'd say, I miss daddy whale. Oh, or she would say something like, I, I don't want daddy whale to be gone out to sea. You know, out to stuff sea. like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hannah. So love her. Anyway, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't think our, our house sitters listening, but if you are, you did a great job. Good job. We're not going to take you to small claims court. All right. We are going to pay you. Yep. But uh, it is a hypothetical question. It is hypothetical. Are you going to tell her the fish died or are you going to just leave it alone? I'm just going to leave it alone. Okay. It was on It was on Facebook. My wife put it up on Facebook. <laughs> so if she can infer from that what happened, then you know, that's, that's good enough for me. All right. Fair enough. Maybe I'll pay her like $1 less than I was going to. So <laughs> you're, like, can... here's, here's a, <laughs> you're like, here's this minus 22 cents for... Yep. Uh, um, yeah, then all the pain and suffering, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should try to get the, the $5,000 maximum limit <laughs> for small claims uh, for all the pain and suffering. Anyway, so... So anyway, there you go. There it is. So Land moving, of the hypothetical. Moving on, um, we were getting into Chapter 7, right? Yes. Of uh, Paul Balash's book, God Songs. And um, it's a really short chapter, so hopefully we can breeze through this in the like the 15 minutes we have left. Cram it down your throats. <laughs> Here we go. So chapter seven, uh, if you're following along with us, um, uh, these last, uh, several episodes, well, I guess like the last like 15 episodes, (laughs) we've been going through this book, uh, God songs, great book. And we're going to try to get through all of chapter seven here in one episode because it's a short one. Yes. Um, we can do it. We can do it. I feel good about it. Uh, words and music happy together. So happy together. Uh, chapter 7, page 155. So I'm going to just, uh, if I may, I'm going to read this opening quote. Go for it. Paragraph. Because I think this, I mean, this pretty much sums up the chapter. We could probably leave it after this. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, no matter how wonderful a melody may be, if it doesn't match the feeling of the words consistently, it fails to support the message. The ideal we're striving for is to make every melody line, every voicing and chord progression, every rhythm pattern, every choice of words appropriate to the feeling of the message to create the perfect wedding of words and music that make a message come alive. When all the elements are working together, each doing what it's supposed to do, the song has life and warmth and emotion. We don't just hear it, we experience it. Yes. So that that pretty much is a chapter right there. That is like the whole chapter. That's chapter seven. Uh, That's basi- what you need to know. Basically, listen up, folks. Here's what you do: uh, <laughs> you write words that complement the melody and the rhythm, and you make a perfect wedding. Well, this and and this, you know, I think this comes. I think this is intentional that it comes after a rhythm that moves. And, and the harmonies that enhance, yeah, and, because, the, cause, and the melody that soars. Yeah, because he was talking in those in those chapters about. Um, well, he they talked at least a lot in one of the chapters about arrangements. Yep, we might have talked about this before, but like the arrangement also has to, like you can have the right melody, and and the right words, but if somebody arranges it incorrectly, then it's not going to work. I'll give you an example. The song I never thought worked and the most popular arrangement was in The Secret. 
Okay, Sonic Flood came out with that arrangement, right? It's like, in the ba, secret, ba, yeah. in this quiet place. Ba, ba, da, ba, ba, ba. It's like, do, 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 do. seriously, that's 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 the arrangement you think goes with in the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness you are there. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's what we would call prosody. <laughs> in the music biz. In the music world. Um but so anyway, yeah. Words of music happy together, I you know, and arrangement. I, that would be one thing I'd throw in there. Your arrangement has gotta sure. has gotta go with it's the music and fit, the message. Fit in line. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and interestingly enough, um, they they use this example, Blessed Be the Lord God Almighty, uh, this, this old Bobby Fitt song. Um, Blessed be yeah. the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, there it is. Like, that was, like, that was the stuff. Man, yeah, that that, that was... When, 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 when was the song, like, 80-something uh, or other? Well, that was a long time 88, ago. 86, whatever. Uh, it, it, yeah, big, big triumphant song. So they use this as an example, and I mean the song is old, but the 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 point the point though is eighty four. Eighty four. There we go. Yeah. Thanks. the The point is that I mean the, the song really does have have these words that that kind of compel the the melody a little bit, right? You get to, um, you know, you get to the the chorus, right? And all of a sudden, like the the chorus just starts soaring, you know. Uh, you, you have that kind of verse down there, and then all of a sudden, blessed be the Lord, you know, and you, you get to that top note, Lord, uh, God Almighty, mm-hmm. and, and and it's like the, the song kind of literally, in a sense, soars with the text, though, and, and that's what's cool about it, right, because Lord God Almighty, I, I think I think those words have a perfect, as, as Paul puts it, a perfect marriage of uh of of using the melody to enhance the words. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other songs that, that do that? Well, see here again. I know we I know we've talked about a mighty fortress before, but he uses it and he does it incorrectly. <laughs> he does it incorrectly. Well, you know because. Uh, Unless I'm, unless I've been taught wrong, unless my history of a mighty fortress is wrong, then you know either, either I'm wrong or uh, or Jimmy and Carol are wrong, one or the other. But I'm going to throw it out there that that I'm not wrong. Wow. And if and if I'm and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. You can correct me. You can yell at me. Here we go. But um, the hymn starts with a descending line with great grandeur to match its grand subject. Ringing prime notes on the octave like great bells lift our eyes to the imagery of God as a towering fortress. The notes on a bulwark never failing march downhill, treading their message of triumph into bedrock certainty on the root of the key. Line two is an exact copy of line one repeating the triumphal process after which the melody develops in other directions, but, ex- but ends exactly as lines one and two end and returns to familiar ground offering a sense of finality. So wait. So what? What are you wrong about, or what are they wrong about? That that whole paragraph is not true. Oh, because okay. because what happened is is Martin Luther found a bar tune that everyone knew, and put words to it. Right. The the bar tune theory. Yes. yes. So you know what? It, interesting. So I, so none of this stuff about the hymn starts with a descending line with with great grandeur to match its great. Su- that's not true. Like. Mm. 
it, it doesn't start with grandeur to match its subject. It starts with a bar tune that Martin Luther wrote words to. So I, um, I, I was trying to, I was writing some uh, Sunday school curriculum for our church on worship music, and I was trying to, I, I was trying to reference this. You know, there there are whole websites devoted to, um, to to try and dispel uh, this this idea that it's a bar tune. Um, really? Yeah, I, I I was surprised because, you know, I, I kind of always heard the same thing that, you know, yeah, he, you know, took this bar tune. And anyway, there's like literally websites, like like fanatical people who are who are saying, you know, that this that this is not a song, you know, that this or this is not a bar tune. This is something he wrote. And people get really mad about it. I mean, there's a lot of people who are really mad. You know, just saying, yeah, that that's just, you know, that that's just classic, you know, ignorance in the Christian world. People, you know, people saying that as a bar tune. And anyway, yeah, probably, I don't know. We should do some more research on that. Yeah, I suppose. But, <laughs> but okay, so assuming that he did write it, in fact, then, yeah, then that's a pretty cool thing, right? Yeah, if he wrote it and he was thinking about all of this stuff when he wrote it, then, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. I don't think he was think. even if he wrote it, I don't think he's thinking, okay, I'm going to do this because, you know, it's, it's majestic and I'm going to do, I'm going to have the notes on a bulwark never failing march downhill, treading their message of triumph into bedrock certainty to the root of the key. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. think he was thinking about that. Like that, if he I, was thinking about anything, he was thinking only about, you know, the music theory of the day and he needs to bring it to a cadence at some point in this first phrase, like you do with music that had been yeah. written in that so, time. So I'll, I'll agree with you on that one, uh, that they, they might be overstating it a little bit here in this book, because uh, I'm not sure if he actually really thought through that intentionally, what he was uh, writing. But so one example I thought of, um, your favorite song, David, Shout to the Lord, yes. um, <laughs> which FYI is not David's favorite song at all. <laughs> but... Uh, so, something that that I've always been compelled about the song is something that stands out to me, and maybe perhaps one of the reasons why it's been so popular. You know, going from that verse to the chorus, never cease to worship you, and, and I think there is a good example of how uh, the text, the words of a song, can fit with a, a melody. Because at that point, you know, going into the chorus, never cease to worship you. You know, it it, it really takes off. And, and I love that idea. I mean, I remember being a young kid and hearing it for the first time and being like, wow, you know, never cease to worship you. And, and, and just being so, like, lifted and, and engaged by this idea that, you know, uh, all this stuff, I mean, you know, our, our hearts, whatever, never cease to worship you. And then going right and just shout to the Lord. So for me, that that's a good example of how text and melody can really work together especially going from like a verse to a chorus where it builds mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I you know I will uh so one of the songs it's, and it's a Christmas song, it's a hymn that I think has the has some of the best prosody. I think is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mm. Like because, you know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the I mean that's pretty pretty hark Harken, it is. you know, and then you get to the glory. Like, yeah, you know, that's so that's that's like pretty good. That's like tremendous prosody, I think, in terms of the, the music being appropriate to the message of the words. So. 
I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know who wrote that? Uh, s- Jesus? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Bible? That's a, that's a wonderful Sunday school answer. Yeah. Charles, I don't know. Charles Wesley. Oh, of course. Boom. There you go. That's why you love it. Yes. You just love all that Wesleyan stuff. That's right. Wesleyan. Wesleyan. Is that how you say it? Wesleyan? Wesleyan. Wesleyan. I just I just try to say it fast enough and hope no one notices. <laughs> Wesleyan. Wesleyan. Wesleyan is that town that's over by that's right. somewhere. Yeah, West Westland, Oregon. I know, right? Yeah, and so uh, anyway, back to our our subject at hand. They yes. finished up the chapter talking about writing uh, scripture songs, translating and stuff like that. So they they give a couple pointers, um, which I don't know. To be honest, I don't think they're that great, but I'll read them anyway. Um, they um, or sorry, sorry, common mistakes. Yep. Common mistakes, uh, which the yeah again these pointers. I mean, I I think they're they're worth noting. But can can I just be honest with you, David? Yes, I, I would appreciate I think, that. I think they really on this chapter were trying to like stretch it out. Like I I really think the publisher was like, hey, you guys got to get a few more pages <laughs> on this chapter, um, because they they really started just kind of just adding some filler stuff in here that I don't think. Because I mean, how much can you say about words and music happy right. together? Yeah. Uh, the the chapter is only like eight pages long, and I think probably three of those pages are a little unnecessary. So I'm not trying to hate, but um, anyway. So the pointers that they they kind of gave on uh, on things not to do with scripture, uh, don't try to cram all the exact words of a scripture in in a song. Um, you know, don't don't start a song with the word for or therefore. Don't mix King James with modern English. Uh, you know, what, once you say you don't don't switch it to the, uh, you know that's cool. Uh, don't attempt to paraphrase on the strength of one translation. Consider the sounds of the words in your scripture passage. That's all cool. I don't know. I, I guess I see it a little bit more simple. Like, if you're writing a song and you're going to use scripture, just use scripture. You yeah. know, but. I think they had to put a few more pages in this chapter. Yeah, I think I think one of the things they left out, which is far more important, is is to make sure you're not using the scripture out of context in your song. Yeah. Like, unless it's just a pure scripture song, like if it's a scripture memory song, then then you need to do it exactly like it's written. Sure. Which they don't. I don't know if they talked about. It, I can't remember. No. But like, if you're trying to write write a song to help somebody memorize a certain passage of scripture, then you need to do it word for word and figure out a way to do it, even if it's hard. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Which I mean, it kind of goes against what they're saying. They're right. saying don't don't cram it all in there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Not my favorite chapter. Uh, because then they end it with translating. How many of us are actually going to translate? I am. Okay. Well, never mind. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to. That's someone who. <laughs> gets paid to do that somewhere else. So yeah, they, they talk about tran- translating songs into different languages. And um, I don't know. I, I've I've never translated a song into a different language. I don't plan on doing it. Me either. Um, so Unless I like become like Neo in the Matrix yeah. and they can just like implant a language in my head. Boom. Then I might do it. Then, yeah, if I knew how to do Italian And if I could French, also learn to fly a helicopter at the same time, that yep. would be awesome. Just load the program. Yeah load in the construct 
yeah, so they end the chapter just saying, um, you know, if you're translating it from one language to another, don't sacrifice the lyricism. Uh, you know, you want to try to use the same lyrical value of the original language. Um, Which, that's a, that's a, that was another thing I remember disagreeing with. Like, <laughs> well, that's not the the great translated songs aren't that way, right? Like a mighty fortress, right? Like, it's not. It's it, not. It doesn't was, maintain the lyrical value of the German. It was. It was, it was written in, in German, which I'm sure completely it, was, different. it was much different in yeah. the German tongue. Like it took somebody who knew what they were doing, transliterated it, and they were probably a lyricist at the same time, so they could make it singable. You know, it's like, yeah. So anyway, so if you are a translator and a lyricist, then you might want to read those two paragraphs. Uh, for the if rest you want to translate any of our songs, let us know. Yeah, if you speak like uh, <laughs> Hungarian or Mandarin or uh, oranges, Mandarin oranges, what? <laughs> Uh, Chinese. I, yeah, no, I know. Every time I yeah. hear that, though, I get hungry. I think about, <laughs> I think about uh, those little baby oranges. Uh, Callie loves those little Mandarin oranges. Swahili. Um, yeah, Botswana. Um, yeah, Botswana I'd like to hear Africa. one of my songs translated into cool Swahili. Cool. All right, so, <laughs> so next week we're gonna be in chapter eight: how to stimulate creativity. And I'll have my clicking, my clicking sidekick over here. <laughs> translating for me the whole way so my grandpa can actually speak swahili no way yeah does he like do the clicks and that mm -hmm. it's amazing (laughs) yeah like they're just like a part of the word like wow like it's like seriously Uh, like you have no idea and of course you didn't pick it up what's that what's that movie is there like some old movie uh about um uh i'm gonna totally forget some old movie where like they get a message in a bottle uh and, and just like one of these you know little tribes that don't just speak with clicks and stuff ah i'm gonna have to look it up morse code no no <laughs> all right we'll go to wikipedia we'll figure it out anyway hey so you've been yeah. listening to uh worship ministry pat that sounds great Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast coming at yes. you from Washougal, Washington. Not far from Portland, Oregon. Not far from Vancouver, Washington. Not far from the United States of America. Not far from the Pacific Ocean. Not far. Well, I guess we're now we're starting to get like we're we're a little bit far away from that volcano that's erupting right now. Yeah, that, that pronounce that one. I I don't know. Why don't we just call it like Joe? Joe, Mount yeah. Joe. Yeah, Joe Mount versus Joe's the volcano. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, where is that at? Iceland. Is it in Iceland? Mm-hmm. I just, I just remember hearing about all these like flights that are canceled because yeah. no one wants to fly through the ash right now. So if you're listening in Europe and you're you're delayed, I'm sorry. We're Hopefully sorry. we've been a little entertaining for you to make your way to the airport go a little faster. There you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's why people listen to that's us, right. right? To be entertained. Yes, I'm sure. To, not to learn about worship leadership. No, I, by I any doubt means. that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, hey, so if you if you have questions about this or want to talk to us or uh, give us some ideas for topics or whatever, uh, you can always contact us. Go to our website www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. Dot com. Dot com. You can email us at kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com or David. 
at worshipministrycatalyst.com. There you go. And as always, you can join our social networking site at www.worshipministrycatalyst.com slash... No, worshipministrycatalyst.com. Oh, see. Ning. Dot Ning. See, this is why I don't do it. This is why you do this yeah. part. Christianministrycatalyst.ning.com. That's it. Yes. Ning, N-I-N-G. Well, there's our theme music. Time for us to wrap it up. All and, right, we're uh, out of here. Head out of here. So we'll see you next time. Bye. On another episode of Worship Ministry Catalyst <laughs> Podcast. <laughs>